Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and let me tell you, we are kicking off season two with a bang. Today, I was joined by my partner in crime and producer of this podcast, Ben Ronald, in the first ever edition of our brand new Versus series, where we do a deep dive into how some of the biggest brands and businesses are competing to win. For our inaugural episode, we're talking about the battle for electric vehicle supremacy. Tesla broke into the seemingly impenetrable auto industry by making electric vehicles viable. In fact, viable is an understatement. EVs have caught on like wildfire, becoming more accessible to a broader consumer base each and every year. Tesla's rise to prominence has upended an entire market, sending the most iconic car manufacturers in the world into a frenzied scramble to reclaim their dominance. But now, 13 years after the Tesla Roadster first hit the streets, competitors are entering the fray. And maybe none more so than Volkswagen. So, how did Tesla shatter a market worth hundreds of billions of dollars? What is Volkswagen doing in response? And where the hell does Elon Musk fit into all of this? And who'll ultimately come out on top? Well, we're about to find out. We're gonna be sharing these episodes out on a monthly basis on the podcast feed. And we're also including a video and written version of the story to go along with it. So if you enjoyed this, but you're also a fan of video and the written word, then subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn as we're gonna be dropping all of this content onto those channels. And lastly, on a technical note, I am in the process of moving homes and I didn't have access to my usual setup. So there are a few audio moments on my end. I apologize for that, but Ben is audio chocolate. So he more than makes up for it. But that all said, it's time for the first ever episode of Versus. I hope you enjoy. The way the world moves is contributing to rapid climate change. It all has us thinking of less oil reliance and more self-reliance. And if necessity is the mother of invention, electric vehicles are the answer to many of the world's woes. The electric car race in the U.S. is between Tesla and everyone else. A lot of these established players are going to be very, very serious competitors. I think they're going to put up a hell of a fight. All right. Today, I am joined by Ben Ronald the content writer at Clue. Ben, how are you doing? Adam, thanks for having me, man. For those of you that don't know, Ben is actually the producer of this podcast as well as a content writer. And this is his first appearance on the podcast. Ben, what, is there some nerves involved? Excitement? Like what's going through your mind right now? Well, it's definitely exciting. Big fan of the pod, as you know. If all I ever did was to produce this thing and be on the other side, I'd be happy. But uh to be uh, to be in front of the glass today is, is a treat. So thanks for having me on. Listeners are probably wondering, why the heck on this podcast where you've had competitive experts, you've had product marketers, you've had win-loss gurus, why have we got two content people on here? And I'll tell you why. For our new series, the Versus series, where we kind of are breaking down and analyzing how some of the biggest brands, biggest businesses in the world are competing uh, in some of the most high stakes environments, we're we're doing the full breakdown. We're doing the tell all. We're going. We're digging deep. I wish I had glasses to look nerdy here, but we each went to journalism school, and we like to do some digging. And Ben, in our first piece, broke down the electric vehicle market, one that was famously being dominated by Tesla, but 
it's also a market where plenty of competitors are entering the fray. So we're going to break down this story, what you've learned, and who's ultimately going to win this thing. Yeah, so like you said, Tesla really is kind of became the eponymous brand of of electric vehicles, right? I mean, when you thought of electric vehicles, you thought of Tesla. And I had sort of accepted that as reality. And then uh, in February 2021, I read an article talking about how uh, Volkswagen CEO, his name's Herbert Dice, how he had plans to turn all of Volkswagen's fleet into completely electric vehicles by 2040. The company said in 2019 that it plans to sell 22 million electric vehicles by 2030. It has already been showing off high profile examples of its electric future. So that really caught my attention. I mean, that's an ambitious goal. I dug into it a little bit more as people from journalism school tend to do. And I actually saw that for a brief period of time. So in Q4 2020, Volkswagen sold more cars, electric cars than Tesla for a quarter. And then obviously joining Clue a couple months later, just sort of eating and breathing competitive. I thought, hey, you know, I really want to dive into this and, and see what I can find. And what I found pretty quickly is even though I had imagined this piece is sort of Volkswagen versus Tesla, uh, Volkswagen being, you know, perennially the first or second largest automaker in the world. Um, what I found was that it's not just Volkswagen that's competing against Tesla, it's other legacy car makers like GM and Ford, uh, both of which have promises to be 50% or more fully electric by, you know, the end of 2040. General Motors made a stunning announcement. It aspires to eliminate tailpipe emissions from new light duty vehicles by 2035 meaning that GM intends to stop selling gas-burning cars. And it's not even just legacy car makers, you know, North American car makers, uh, Chinese uh, electric car makers like BYD, they are in the hunt. Moreover, there are electric startups like Rivian and Lucid that are really nipping at their heels. So it was sort of a, you know, here I am thinking there is only one name in electric vehicles, it's Tesla. And after looking into it, uh, Tesla's got a lot of big dogs nipping at their heels, whereas, you know, you could probably still make the argument that they are, you know, the the leader in electric vehicles. I don't think they're the undisputed leader anymore. I, I really think that it's 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 coming to a head here and it's not going to be Tesla forever. What I'm hearing from you is it feels like it's just like an increasingly fragmented market. Like when once something like hits, something does well, people are going to follow it's the first mover advantage, right? And then everyone wants it in a piece of that pie. So when you look at that, I, I kind of want to get the context as well of the actual electric vehicle market within the greater like auto industry. Like how has that evolved? How did that kind of come to be? Was, was it, I'm assuming it was Tesla that sort of made this market, this segment of the auto industry viable, right? Tesla kind of created their own market in a way they they found a, a niche where people who were looking for luxury cars so they're of that socioeconomic standing uh often they were in california west coast highly educated uh, but they were people who would shell out a little bit more money to sort of give off the appearance that you know obviously the technology is impressive but also eco-conscious that's where they found 
their their niche you know model s's were built for that that segment of the market the model s was redefining what luxury was for a certain type of eco and style conscious consumer who was becoming a major demographic among the california elite in this way tesla was forging a new market segment and then you had people on the peripheries who liked electric cars and sort of liked them in theory, but there kind of wasn't a demand for it. You know, you know, it was, I mean, the, the Nissan Leaf's been around for a while, the Chevy Bolt, but it's really only been the last couple of years where all of a sudden electric cars are a real, like a, a legitimate alternative to a, to a combustion engine. And so what you've seen, uh, you know, based on a variety of factors, the amount of electric cars sold in North America went up 80% year over year from last year to this year. And if you look from 2019 to 2021, it was up like 168%. So what you're seeing here is that Tesla was first for sure. They kind of held the, the reins for a while because there wasn't a ton of competition. The demand is going up such that Tesla is not the only uh, maker in the game right now because it's not just you know, people from California who make 150, 250 grand who want an electric car. It's people like you or me thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to buy a car, why not buy a Nissan Leaf or why not buy, I don't know, something, something like that. And, and we have options now to buy cars like that, that, that just didn't exist uh, even five, five years ago, you know? So it's, it's, it's dizzying. With, um, with Tesla specifically then, because what I'm really interested in when, when, when you find a niche and be able to make that so viable, not only is it viable, it has the potential to supersede how everybody transports. But what was the watershed moment? Was there a spot where you mentioned the kind of California high-end niche demographic that they would hit to kind of sell these first, first kind of cars, but how did they become breakthrough or become viable to a broader market? I think it was the Model 3, the one that sold at 35000 in terms of price, well, of course, it'll be $35,000. I want to emphasize that even if you buy no options at all, this will still be an amazing car. You will not be able to buy a better car for $35,000 or even close. That was definitely a moment where it wasn't just uh, a luxury car anymore. I mean, you got some of the bells and whistles of a luxury car, but 35000 is decidedly not, you know, a luxury car price. So I think that, and certainly I can sort of remember uh, hearing that price tag and thinking, oh, okay, well, this isn't so out of the realm of possibility. And I think that that was a, a big moment because it really uh, made owning an electric car become so much more tangible uh, because, because of the price tag. Um, I also, now this isn't really a watershed moment, but, but what has sort of been happening behind the scenes, so to speak, is that the electric car, electric vehicle infrastructure is getting better. There are more charging stations than ever before. Companies like Tesla and, and Volkswagen are putting in tons of money to have charging stations. All of these things, the lower price uh, of the vehicle and, and the fact that you can, you can find these charging stations much more easily, it's just removing the barriers to entry, right? The, the, the mm -hmm. reasons why you didn't want an electric car before, they are slowly ceasing to exist.
I, I mean, it, yeah, that makes sense. Like the, the sort of economies of scale, you're able to manufacture it at lower cost. And if you, the, every time you're able to produce a car at a lower price, that increases your time, like your total addressable market, right? When we look at competitors then, which is what we do here at Clue, we could go into all of them so far, but for, for the point of simplicity's sake, let's, let's look at Tesla and let's look at VDOP right now. I've, I've said first mover advantage too many times already. So what was the first mover advantage that Tesla had and how, how is that manifested now? Like what are the advantages that they have over VW as the first mover in the market? Yeah, so there's a, there's a quote from uh, Elon Musk talking about how they have already gone through their supply chain hell, I think is what they called it, the manufacturing hell. So they have gone through the pain points of how do we get these precious metals in the supply chain to, to, to manufacture enough cars. One of the reasons why, so I said in, in Q4 2020, I said Volkswagen caught up momentarily. They've actually sort of uh, fallen behind a little bit. And part of that was because they couldn't get all of the semiconductors they needed to, to fulfill their, their targets. Semiconductors have become a major issue for automobile manufacturers worldwide. Every automaker has been impacted by this chip shortage. And so part of the first mover advantage that Tesla has is that they've figured that stuff out. Legacy car makers have an incumbent advantage in car making in general. It's actually Tesla that has the incumbent advantage when it comes to electric vehicles because they've they've gone through the the trials and tribulations of it. And the technology, you know, they still have the the economics of of batteries. Uh, they still own that, and and one uh, one expert that I came across in my in my research, they think like the end of the decade, uh, Tesla will still own sort of the economics of of batteries uh, because they've had the experience of doing it. So one of the differentiators is purely like the product itself has had the ability to fail, 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 succeed. They've just had more opportunities for trial and error. And so they've got this kind of, so they've got time on their side. But as we know, in this tech space that we work in, so when we look at a lot of the different competitive markets is product differentiators, they they kind of can, they can vanish quickly. And it, surely that's something that these legacy car makers, although they're not as adept at the the process of creating electric vehicles, they've been creating cars for hundreds of years. So surely they will be able to catch them though at a, at a quicker rate than sort of it took Tesla to get off the ground. I, I think that's probably right. Some of the biggest advantages that I came across in my research, the biggest one is probably scale. Volkswagen sells more vehicles in a month than Tesla does in a year. Say that again. Wait, what? So there are, <laughs> yes. So Volkswagen in a given month, so not, not every single month, but there, there are months where Volkswagen, and remember Volkswagen is, uh, it's, it's Volkswagen, it's Porsche. The group owns not only the Volkswagen brand for which it is named, but 11 other brands hailing from seven European countries. All around the world, they will sell more cars in a month than Tesla will in an entire year. So they have the scale when it comes to output. What they also have going for them is that they have a significant percentage of their revenue from combustion engines. So they can take a few more risks on the electric side because they've got these revenue streams, diesel, gas-powered cars, 
that Tesla doesn't have. So those are the the two biggest advantages I see. It's it's the like the overwhelming scale and the sort of the money that goes with that, and then uh, also uh, the fact they they're not a one trick pony. They they've got a few horses in the race, and they can they can use that revenue to to buoy their efforts um, in, in the electric space. While you were doing all of this research, was there one thing that like stood out to you? Was there like a revelatory moment? Like what was the most interesting thing you learned while researching this piece? Well, learning that Tesla's valuation is north of a trillion dollars, their market cap and, and Volkswagen and Toyota, despite being, you know, like I said, perennially, they're the first or second largest automakers in the world. They kind of trade off one, two. Um, you know, their valuations are more around 200 billion. That was that was a sort of an eye-opening moment. Um, certainly the idea that Volkswagen in some months outsells Tesla in a year. I think that's that's interesting. But you know, it's it's I think as I, you know, as you know, Adam, I'm a bit of a, a nerd and a deep thinker. Uh, and I can't help but notice that it's a big deal if you've got Volkswagen and Ford and GM saying more than half, if not all, of our cars are gonna be electric by the turn by the middle of the century i mean that's a big deal that is a big paradigm shift and and while you might you might say well it's, why did it take so long you know regardless this is these are huge iconic brands that are saying the future of our company is not fossil fuels we all see that electric vehicles are the wave of the future so i think that's probably you know when i look back now that's what that's what piqued my interest so so strongly when i read that very first article you know there's i i love getting into the weeds about it uh too uh, and and thinking about you know what what uh what's tesla's advantage and, and what's volkswagen's advantage but if you really take a step back you go you know this is good news i would say that <laughs> we're, we're we're going towards uh uh, uh, a world where emission-free vehicles will be the the only vehicles on the road. So when Tesla's product advantage starts to shrink, ever year by year, ever so slightly, the gap is going to shrink. And so they found their niche, and now the big players, the big Kahuna's, are they've noticed that it's it's infringing on their revenue, even though in the grand scheme of things, it's not much, but they can foresee that this could have a larger impact or even eliminate them entirely. These legacy makers are now entering the fray and they're going to slowly start to chip away at Tesla's lead. How does how does Tesla stay ahead then? Because I think of even like, a, for example, in the tech space is like the Salesforce pivoting into like the CRM world and they're just like, we're going after HubSpot essentially. No, not entirely, but it's it's an interesting equation. How do you stay ahead in that spot? One of the things that's coming to mind is how, you know, like I, I think we were about to publish the 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 blog. I was like, okay, it's finally ready. And then Lucid, which is a startup automaker, electric car vehicle automaker out of California, they they announced that they had range that you know battery range that beat Tesla. So like we're talking like every month, there's there's more competition, right? So. I think I go back to something that uh, Pip Laya said. Uh, he's the CEO of Winter, and he said it during the Competitive Enablement Summit last year. He predicts that in three to five years, Tesla will be just another automaker that will be forced to compete more on brand than on features. For now, Tesla's electric cars have better tech, more mileage, 
than your rest of the electric cars. But it's about to change, right? Lucid just announced new cars beating the old Tesla's range, like 560 miles, the new Lucid Air, right? So every single car company is coming after Tesla. I, I bet my, my theory on Tesla is that in a couple of years, their competitive advantage ceases to exist. I think if you, you know, if you take a step back and look at it, the car makers that we know, sort of the traditional car makers, what, what is the difference really in a lot of them? If it's not price, you know, a lot of the features, the bells and whistles, sure, here and there, it's a little different, but it's kind of all the same. The screens are getting bigger. You're going to have parking assist. Um, you know, there are, there are real branding uh, advantages. So for example, I drive a Jeep, you know, people love their Jeeps, but that's because <laughs> Jeep is a brand, right? Like Jeep is People do love their Jeeps. Like they're really <laughs> weirdly attached it's almost like when i meet people from toronto and even though they've left toronto and they're enjoying the the lovely weather and environment that vancouver brings they're still like toronto's better i'm like sorry go yeah. on i, I completely a toronto person with a jeep that is oh i don't even want to meet that person i'm sorry to anyone so yeah friend. i think but i think i think you're kind of like you're 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 stepping on it, right? Which is uh, that Tesla will have to find its way to become its own kind of Jeep, not not to like emulate Jeep, but to say, you know, this is what Tesla stands for. Like, this is the brand and you buying a Tesla, you are associating yourself with this. And brand is not your logo, right? Brand is, is its reputation. And brand is, what does it say about me when I buy you? If I pay buy a Tesla, I mean, you, it used to be you're signaling that you're rich and a little bit care about climate, right? But now I, I'm actually not sure what, what you're signaling now when you buy Tesla. And Tesla needs to figure that shit out because, as I said, they're going to start competing on brand any day now. I want to I touch on this because competing on brand is endlessly fascinating to me, especially for us as, as marketers and going to talk to so many product marketers. Is competing on brand, not just the feature portion is endlessly fascinating and now when like you mentioned crazy for us to go what 25 minutes into recording here on a tesla ev state of the market and we haven't said elon musk's name once i want to kind of dig into this is it a good or bad thing that for someone like me that hasn't done all this research when i think of tesla i don't think of eco-friendly anymore i just think of elon musk and once you think of elon musk now you're going down about eight different rabbit holes if you love him you hate him I personally, I'm not too thorough into the Elon Musk world, but is that a good or bad thing to have your brand entirely associated with one individual? You know, I, I've done a lot of thinking about sort of founder-led cultures. Um, so I, I used to work at Lululemon. Uh, and they had uh, a very strong founder-led culture when I first started. And you think of, you know, guys like Steve Jobs and, and Elon Musk, like we're talking about, you know, I think that humans have a innate kind of need to look for leadership examples. Uh, and, you know, concurrently, businesses, uh, big organizations, they're looking for the ties that bind everyone together and, and culture is often one of the, one of those things, and you can you can write you know the tenets of your culture down, uh, you know five points here your values and that's all real necessary, but it's not it's still abstract right. Whereas when you have the culture embodied in one human being that you can look at and watch and kind of feel like you know, like there's clearly a value there because otherwise we wouldn't have so many examples. 
Now, of course, the flip side is that these people are humans and for every uh, good sort of value, I'll use good, you know, virtuous value that, that uh, a founder in terms of hard work and perseverance, all of those good values that they can instill, you also have all the frailties of, of a human being. And, you know, Elon Musk, for example, he uh, toyed with the idea publicly that he would take Tesla private right? Publicly traded company, private, ended up, I think he got fined $20 million. Elon Musk is paying the price for misleading investors with a tweet heard around the world. The billionaire now striking an agreement with the Securities and Exchange Commission to step aside as chairman for three years. Musk and Tesla are also fined $20 million each. He famously toked up on Joe Rogan's podcast. I mean, it's legal, right? It's totally legal. So, you know, is it a good or a bad thing? You know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a human thing. Right. And I think it's, it's a bit of both, um, you know, Elon specifically, I mean, you could, you could sort of ask yourself semi-rhetorically, does he even care about Tesla anymore? You know, or is he putting all of his brain energy into Mars, into getting to Mars with SpaceX? And is he just kind of a figurehead for Tesla? So I think that when I use those examples of, of Lululemon, Apple, and Tesla, I mean, the fact is these are wildly successful companies. So to whatever extent you can draw the founder-led culture to their success, make that comparison, I, I'd be hard-pressed to sit here and say it's a bad thing. But it certainly seems like it's a, it's a risky thing. You're, you're putting all your eggs in, in one basket. One individual. It's something we're going to have to dig into more because I think, I mean, we spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and you, you see a lot of businesses speaking to the value of promoting your personal brand and being a human and people want to buy from humans. They want to work with other humans. They, there's something to the, and it's been empowering. I see a lot of successful examples of it. And me, myself, I've, I've found even doing something like this, a small, small personal brand, but there's something to building these connections and you kind of get validity. People understand what you stand for, your perspective. They even just recognize your face or understand you. But like you said, does does that trump what the Jeep logo stands for? The, the feelings that someone gets when they buy a Jeep? I would say no matter what, you can tell that there is there is a value in, in having the strong leadership because it does give you sort of an example to follow. So where's this all going then? Ben, crystal ball me because you've done a deep dive. You've looked at this Tesla V-Dub as the thread unravels, you're seeing it's not just Tesla V-Dub. It's a whole lot and more. So if you were to get the crystal ball out, look into the future, what what do you think is going to happen between this this in this market? So I think that we won't, we'll stop talking about Tesla as if it's a different kind of automaker. It will just be another automaker. And I think there's going to be startups like Lucid and Rivian that will come and go. I mean, you know, when, when we were growing up, there was a car brand called Pontiac and then the 2008 financial crisis happened and GM decided it, it, we, there was no, there was no use in having eight brands anymore. General Motors plan going into bankruptcy. They're looking for buyers for their European operations for Hummer, for Saab, for Saturn, and the Pontiac division will go away. 
So I think what's going to happen for Tesla is they truly are just going to be another, another automaker that you decide, okay, well, I've, I'm going to buy a new car and I'm going to look at Tesla model model S. I'm also going to look at, you know, a Jeep, Jeep Cherokee. And I'm also going to look at, at a Volkswagen Jetta. I think they're going to still be powerful. I mean, it's not like Tesla's going to just evaporate, but the, this kind of conversation where it's Tesla is this sort of still newish dog and there's, there's still, you know, there, there's something special. I think that the, whatever the specialness is, I think that will start to erode if it hasn't already. Okay. I've got one last question for you. And this is, I think you'll like this question because it's sort of like a, as, as a journalist, if you like to kind of dig, you like to do your research. If you were to ask Elon Musk one question about this specific topic, about how he views competition, how he envisions this this market evolving, what would what would the question be that you'd ask him? I would ask him to what extent he pays attention to the competition, honestly. How often is he personally, there's no doubt in my mind that a, an organization like Tesla is sophisticated enough to have some competitive intelligence uh, systems. But I want to know like a visionary leader like that, who just has such a clear you know, vision for the future. I want to know how much time does he spend thinking about the competitors that are trailing him and trying to catch up? And how much does he just stay focused and, and look forward ahead? Um, because I'm curious if, if maybe Elon had done more of the sort of paying attention to the Volkswagens of the world, to the GMs, to the Fords, maybe they would have been able to extend their lead even further. All right, Ben, that was an incredible deep dive. And for listeners as well, if you haven't already read Ben's piece, it's on our blog at Clue. So make sure to go give that a read. You can reach out to, to Ben as well. How can, how can they find you? Yeah. So uh, send me an email, ben.ronald at clue.com. Uh, I'm Ben Ronald on LinkedIn. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get a note from me every Sunday, our uh, Coffee and Compete newsletter. So uh, we'd love uh, we'd love it if you subscribe. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. It was fun to, fun to get to talk about this. Absolutely. We're going to have a ton more content on, on these types of topics and in a many different formats. So... Listeners, let us know what you thought of this, what we could do better, what you want to hear about next. We're all ears. This is our first time doing this one, and we're stoked to do a whole lot more. Ben, thanks for joining me. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one, everyone. Yeah.